Welcome to the second half of the first season of the Say No, K-N-O-W.org podcast. This is the place where we have been discussing everything drug-related from policy, crime, research. We talk about what's going on on the streets. We talk about what's going on in the universities and the research areas. And uh, we talk to people with lived experience and we discuss ideas on how we can make things just a bit better. We receive funding for this podcast from the Canadian Research Initiative of Substance Misuse. You can check out the great work that they are doing at chrismprairies.ca. Please note that the views and opinions expressed in our podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Chrism or any of their members, and the views also do not necessarily represent the views of my employer or any organization that I'm associated with, and the same goes for our guests. A big shout-out to DJ Charlie Hustle. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for providing the excellent music that you've been hearing both on the intro and outro of our podcasts. Everybody that's listening right now, please hit the subscribe button. It helps. Also go to our Facebook page, engage with us there. If you've got questions, comments, uh, concerns, you've got new ideas, anything, head, to the, head, head on to social media, send us a tweet, um, challenge us. Uh, we're all in this together. We're all trying to make this world just a little bit better, we're trying to find some solutions at work. So I hope you enjoy the second half of this season. I sure enjoyed making it. Okay, so today's uh, episode of the Say No K-N-O-W podcast is uh, about cannabis. We're going to release it uh, on the week of legalization, which on the day we're recording is actually tomorrow morning. But by the time you're hearing this, it's probably already happened. And uh, I'm talking with a friend of mine by the name of James, and I've been trying to get James on the podcast for a while. So I'm really happy that you're here and we can kind of connect on this subject together. So thanks for coming on, James. Yeah, no problem, man. So, James, uh, is it fair to say that you would be a cannabis user, a connoisseur, or has it been a, yeah. a part of your life? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm. Uh, I'd say I'm on the connoisseur side. I, uh, you know, I smoked pot when I was younger through high school, kind of with my friends here and there, and um, dibble dabbled in it. Kind of never really got too into it. Um, but then once, you know, once I got clean, I started, I started using it more or less for anxiety to get me off some of the meds the doctors had put me on. Okay. And, uh, it just, you know, it did wonders. So once that started, it was just like, well, I needed, I needed to, I wanted to get off all my meds. So I just started to do more and more research and, and that's not. And that's kind of been that's kind of been the way that uh, it has been with with medical cannabis in Canada. Oh, for sh- for sure, it's all like experience. Yeah, it's experience. You got to do your own research. And yeah. Exactly, and people can, you know, these big companies can come in and they can have a you know a team of a hundred people who are scientists or have a degree in botany or this or that, but. If they've never grown pot before, yeah, and they don't understand the plant and how it works, then it's you know it'd be so much more beneficial to have that you know that that guy who's been growing pot for fifteen twenty years in, right. a, in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah, because you know, there supplying, has supplying dispensaries. Well, it's, it's, I'm, 
unlike other that's what they've been doing yeah i mean unlike other unlike other substances or medications or or uh you know recreational substances even uh it's it's pretty rare that there is a time where there's kind of an illicit market or like you know if you think if you think about regular medication for example like there's nobody that's going to have more expertise than the scientists that helped develop the product and they've been testing it and they do double blind studies and all this stuff but when it comes exactly. to weed while well, people have been experimenting using recreationally and medicinally for ages yeah and you know that's how it is with you know so many street drugs right yeah um yeah, you mentioned been, you, you know, know they've been used for you know for for hundreds of years, opium, you know, thousands of years, right? Um, all that stuff. Like I even heard of families in Afghanistan in the mountains. They actually will, if they don't have enough money or enough resources to feed their families, yeah, they will give their kids opium because it suppresses your food, what you want to eat. Okay. And they will supplement the food with opium. Is that right? They basically, probably... so they don't so they don't have to get as much food for the family, so they're not as hungry, basically. Jeez, that's pretty sad. Kind of messed up. It's that's really, pretty really up. weird. Well, I know that yeah. I know that in uh, you know in Peru and stuff like that with with the cocaine plants that that's how it started. I mean, chewing. I think they were the Inca people or something they were called, and they would just keep. Uh, the leaves, and they would just slowly chew on them all throughout the day, and it was yeah, yeah. children, adults, everyone would just chew it, and it would just be a slow, very, very slow-released stimulant, like less than a cup yeah, of coffee that, amount yeah, of I stimulant. Think that's still, I think that's still, you know, a thing that a lot of, you know, older, I think it's, a, uh, I heard from a friend on BC that, you know, he was down in Columbia and whatnot, and among the old men in you know the villages town no matter if you know poor um rich they all have their coca right and they all chew their coca and it's for them it's like cannabis is to us right so he's telling me a story about how his buddy went down there um because right now they're going to be the ones doing they have this crazy law that they can basically make crystalline and they're going to be able to do cbd and thca crystalline in, so a uh, lot Columbia? of the crop a lot of that coca crop is going to be turning into cannabis crop oh interesting and uh yeah so a lot of the companies from canada who want good pot for their extracts are probably going to start going to Colombia. oh a cheaper cheaper production probably as way well. cheaper production hmm. so my buddy he had a buddy who went out there and I guess he talked to some, like, national treasurer. This guy was, like, he had, you know, came up with several cocaine recipes. He was protected from, by the government, all this stuff. And uh, this guy, he brought out a brick of cocaine, and he said, this is 1600 bucks. You want a brick here? And then the guy pulled out this this hash, and the hash, I guess, was... You know, it was just a, just about as good as any full melt ash you would get, which is really high quality. Okay. And the guy said $40,000 a kilogram. Holy smokes. So there's going to be a massive so industry. It's completely reversed interesting. down there. Yeah, it's, it's, it is very interesting. So cool people times. are kind of branching out around the world and finding these niches. Yeah. 
and uh, hitting them. So it is kind of it's it it is crazy that there is a there is an illicit market that is going without a doubt going to stay. I know alive and thrive. Okay, well let's this whole thing. Let's let's and I I think. Let's talk a little bit more yeah, no. in depth of that in a minute. I just want to touch on For something sure. that you first started on. Um, you'd mentioned uh, you used cannabis um, as part of your recovery plan. Yeah. So you you struggled uh, sure. you struggled with some addiction issues. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I uh, I was struggling with opiates and crystal meth. Okay. Or crystal meth, you know, was further on into my addiction. Um, I, you know, I got hooked on opiates when I was late teens and, uh, you know, about 17, maybe 18. And I was, you know, solidly addicted to them for about six or seven years. And what were you using? And I was using intravenously. Uh, oh, wow. Hydromorphone. Well, the most easiest to get are the, the hydromorphone beads. So that's usually what you would get. Um, a little dilated fours. The dilated fours? Yeah, that's what I started off with. And then it just kind of, you know, it progressed from there and then into heroin. And once I found the right heroin, it was kind of game over. It, oh, is that, uh, right? it, that the I had gotten clean, and then I found this heroin, and this heroin did more to me in a month and a half than any of the other substances have done to me in the periods of time that I had been on them before I'd gotten clean. Because I'd probably re- gotten clean like ten times throughout my addiction before I actually got clean for like this the last. But it's been about three and three quarter years now. Okay, so. It's been quite a while. Um, you know, I basically, the first time that I really realized that it would work for me is when, you know, I was hanging out and a buddy had this, he had this stuff called Shatter. And yeah. he's like, try it. It's like butter. I was like, okay. He's like, it's very strong. No, he's like, don't hold it in. And me being just an idiot. Kinda, and this, this is Shatter. This, like, is, well, this is a cannabis product yeah. you're referring to, right? Shatter. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, uh, so it'd be, it's a butane hash oil. Okay. So it's, uh, so what they do is they take the, they take the plant. They basically pull the butane through the plant that pours into a reservoir and then they put that onto parchment paper on a rack into a what's called a purge oven back 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 oven purge yeah. oven whatever you want to call it yeah. and then they purge it for about a week and they purge all the residual moisture and hydrocarbons out of that okay that piece of resin yeah and then you take that resin and you you uh vaporize it Just vaporize it or so, something okay, okay. Yeah, so it's just a really concentrated form. Okay, basically. And so, do you, had you um, been using cannabis um, like your your whole youth, like life, kind of thing as yeah. well? Yeah, you know, I I started. I was kind of. I started a little bit late. Um, maybe I guess not late. I guess the end of grade ten, I kind of started smoking, and then grade eleven, I was smoking kind of more or less. You know, on the weekends with my buddies, um, yeah. grade 12, it got to be kind of like a daily thing. Right. Um, and then after grade 12, it was a daily thing for about a year until 
the opiates took over and then I had no money for weed. So okay. it was just, you know, you got to pick, pick one or the other. And right. It's always going to be, if you're like, if I had extra cash then sure, but, but, uh, but when you're, usually, when you're hooked on pills, when and you're, stuff, that's an, where your cash an, is going. an opiate addict, you don't, you don't have extra money. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, you so, know, I, I, I gave me the feeling of almost the same, it wasn't the same feeling that the opiate would give me, but it gave me the same relaxation that the opiate was giving me. Okay. Um, it was really odd how it affected me, and it affected me so kind of crazy that I was like, okay, hey, well, why don't I just try doing this instead of, you know, taking a few extra Xanax or, you know, going and getting a pill just because I think I need one. Just right. start trying this, you know, trying to shatter. So I went on with the shatter, and it really, really helped. It worked really well. Um, I was smoking cannabis, and I was using the shatter. And basically what it does for me, because it's a disassociative. So when you smoke it, it's almost like you... For a lot of people, like with pain, it's not so much like it is. A, it does. Um, it's, it's, it is anti-inflammatory. You're but right. The main CBD thing in is particular, it, yeah. it makes you forget. It makes you forget about it for a minute. So you'll go and you'll you know it'll be a you'll, you'll smoke and then a half hour will go by and you'll just you know think about it for a second. You know, oh shit, I was feeling like shit a half an hour ago. Hmm. You know, I feel I feel good now. Right. So it got to it got to the point where I felt like it was giving me the same. This it was giving me what that opiate was giving me. It was filling that void that I had. That, that was it was because yeah. I started using it because of anxiety. Yeah. And uh, it, it 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 filled that void. So I the, the craving for opiates quit right there. I was on methadone already. Um. So I just started kind of you know, researching it more and more and yeah. it's, they've come up with just so many new crazy extracts and right. different things that are going to, it's going to take a while for them to be regulated and worked into our system. It's just, sure. you know, it's going to be dry cannabis right now, I believe. But, yeah, and oil as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah different probably tinctures and yeah. so how, whatnot. So, so do you, do you think that, I mean, this based on your own experience, mostly anecdotal probably, but so do you think that cannabis can play um, an active role in, you know, our opiate crisis that we're dealing with right now in our country? I, well, yeah, I really do think it, like, I think it can because when somebody, okay, so, you know, this, the this stigma and stereotype is, you know, you go and you smoke weed, you get super high and stoned and you're stupid. Yeah. But in reality, if you want to use it medicinally, there are so many people out there who are willing to basically put together a basically a taper up plan. So you you know you start off with you know taking a capsule and smoking this per, you know during the day, right. and then you move up to this amount, and then gradually move yourself up to a point where you you have a tolerance that's suitable. So that when you're smoking it, you're not, you know, the sativas aren't making you fall asleep. Not every single, you know, every single strain is going to make you 
stupid because you're going to have that tolerance to it. So you're going to start to be able to notice the strains that help you and the strains that don't help you. Right. And that's what started happening for me is I got so interested in it, like just crazy interested in it. Mm -hmm. So I just started, you know, researching it like crazy and basically it kind of just took off from there and I just wanted to meet a bunch of people and I wanted to go to BC and I wanted to work at the, you know, extract, you know, lab facilities. Yeah. And well, I obviously. was just kind of all, all crazy into it. And then it just, you know, it just, I, you gotta be a little bit, you gotta be quiet about it right now, I yeah. guess too. Right. Yeah. So the companies that, that, that are working, they're not going to want anyone talking or, you know, knowing basically who they are, or where they are until they're, until they get their place in this, in this until industry, they find right? their Yeah. Until they find their role in, in kind of a, a exactly. legal regulated market. And, and what this is doing to so many people mm-hmm. is like, which they see the middle class in BC, I guess like 20% of the middle class subsidizes their income with cannabis in some way. So whether it's, be brokering cannabis to a dispensary or having their ACMPR and selling their extra cannabis to a dispensary or being a DPPL, which is a designated person's production license. So you are a grower for, you know, you, the laws a few years ago, you could yeah, have 5,200 plants. There was, there was some, cra- some crazy laws. So. Yeah, there was, yeah. It, uh, and things have came down so much since then. Like I heard that there's going to be like a, you know, a one, you can only have one pound on you at any given time. Right. Anywhere, now. basically. Well, the, yeah, the, yeah the, the medicinal, the medicinal rules are different. In fact, not right now. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about when the oh. legalization happens. Oh, I see. That one. So, and that's like somebody had told me that that was for stores as well. No, and for no. Pe- no, 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 no. See that? That's no, that's no. not what I thought either. I was like, it probably has to do with just the public in general, and I don't expect the public to carry a pound on. Yeah, no. So, so well, so so well, somebody with a medicinal license, um, if you currently have a medicinal license, um, you're kind of grandfathered in under the Cannabis Act, so you're actually able yeah. to consume the amount, whichever's less between the act and what your doctor prescribed you that's how much you're allowed to carry out in public so 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 someone with a medicinal license could technically carry more than somebody like that doesn't have one i have a i have a medicinal license yeah so so you'd you'd be able to that i'll i'll be able to kind of you know you'd get experience well you're you're actually able to carry your full medicinal amount plus the amount that you can carry as a recreational user so yeah yeah, so right now um right now the act is it's legal possession for 30 grams of dried cannabis or whatever the equivalent is, yeah. right? So like because yeah. there's solids, there's cannabis solids like you talked about with shatter yeah. or whatever be considered a solid. There's there's oils, there's dried cannabis versus fresh cannabis, there's plants, there's seeds. So then Exactly. So the act, you know, I I was actually thoroughly impressed. I mean, we took, we just had to take um, some training that was put together by the federal government here. Like all police officers in the country had to do it. So we all did it over last week. Everyone crammed it in. And I yeah. had to, I had to go a little quicker than I probably would want to. And I'm going to have to definitely revisit the, uh, the online training they gave us. But I'm actually, you know what, for, 
for the first for the first draft, if that's what you want to call this, this act, they actually were pretty yeah. insightful, man. Like as a guy who's believed in drug re- regulations for the last 10 years or more, um, I'm actually pretty impressed. I think yeah. it's, I think it's a good balance. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, look, we've, we've, I know there's a lot of people I was at, I was at the stimulus 2018 conference in, uh, in uh edmonton last the week before last and yeah there's a ton yeah and so there there it was a great conference and then there's a lot of policymakers and stakeholders there and there's a lot of people that were kind of whining and complaining about the cannabis act and the way that it's being rolled out and you know there's an there's an awesome guy uh i can't think of his name right now but he was from england and he was part of uh transform uk and so they're kind of a drug regulation nonprofit organization, and he helped. He's written a few books and a blueprint on regulation for the UN. And anyways, he was like, "Hey guys, like slow down here. Like you guys have done something that only one other country in the world has been able to do. Yeah. So let's just calm yeah. down and uh, and be happy with what we have. And then you know, did, laws are fluid documents." Like they're, they're, yeah. they're living documents. They change over time. The courts will then, will soon start to interpret, okay, what is this, what does this language mean? And we'll go from there. So yeah, like not only as a cop, but as a, as somebody who believes in drug regulation, I was, I'm thoroughly impressed with, with the way they've rolled it out so far. Like, I mean, the, yeah, the policy, right. the policy. I, for me, it's just, I gotta wait till I guess, wait till it happens. Yeah. Wait till how, how things go yeah wait till happens well you you were talking about um so you'd mentioned and i'd like to hear your perspective because uh i don't know if i agree with it but i but i definitely would like to hear your opinion on you'd mentioned you don't think the illicit market is going anywhere and i just want to kind of hear your perspective on that so right now I'd say 50% of medical card holders don't buy from their LPs. Right. Simply because of quality. Well, so okay, okay let's talk about that for a sec. The I I, I agree that uh, well I know that's that's definitely a fact. I think it's I think 50 is even being generous. But the yeah. ac- the access was garbage, man, because you have Brilliant. to have a credit card. Completely. You have to have a credit card. So yeah. I mean, you're already you're already then pandering to only whatever percent of the population can have a credit card to, to well, buy. Well, exactly. Some people can only afford to get a gram a day. So what That's happens right. to them? They can't They can't order in the mail their months or their two weeks worth. They have to go to a dispensary or to a dealer and get it because yeah. they don't have the means. Yeah, so for our and, listeners that don't know, like uh, cur- currently the way to obtain your medicinal marijuana license is you sign up with one of the licensed distributors once your once your uh, doctor gives you fills out the right paperwork, and then you go online and you purchase it online. And obviously, to buy anything online, you need a credit card, and then they send it to you in the mail. So, I mean, it works great for really well for people who are in the middle class who um, you know have access to good credit and are able to you know access it that way. It's convenient. It's discreet. Comes in the mail. It's perfect. But that's a very small part of the population that requires it. So I just wanted to hit on that point before you continue. Yeah, it, exactly. It's just, it is, you know, it is what it is. And I think that everybody's going to have their own opinion on on it. And, like, there are, you know, there are a lot of 
there are quite a few LPs out there that are producing good cannabis. And a lot of the people that are coming into this, you know, let's be honest, aren't going to, they don't know what's good from not good. Totally. They don't, totally. you know, the first, first couple of years I smoked, I didn't know what was what, and I was just taking whatever I could get. Right. right. So until people become more educated on it, yeah. um, I don't think that a connoisseur market is going to flourish, but there's always going to be that connoisseur market there for those guys that are running it and using it right now. So you're saying that you know, so you're saying the people that are are already um, kind of the people that are already running those companies, like the extract companies or these. Um, you know, exotic flower companies, they're not planning on shutting down. Right. That's 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 just they're just gonna start doing direct sales to, to patients. Right. That's what you think will happen, okay. And they're gonna skip out the, the, the dispensaries. Well, you know, half of them already have. They right. sent out emails saying we're doing direct patient now, here's the new menu, here's the new pricing scheme. Um But that's all still we're doing things un- a little bit differently. That's all. It's unregulated. So it's complete, yeah, it's complete. It's completely unregulated, but their their customers already trust them. Is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, completely. Right? And like that's the thing is you got to go with somebody who has a decent rep and has a you know has a good rep and has always had a good rep. And like a lot of these guys do really try really hard. They get all their every single batch. You'll get uh, uh, lab tested at MB Labs, which is uh, a health Canada approved lab. On the island, I believe. So a lot of them, and, get, uh, so they, a lot of them pay for their own testing to get done. Even I'd say about seventy percent. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Especially the extractors, because right now there's like there's a lot of competition. So the best flower is going to make the best extract always. Right. And people are putting their entire gardens into the extract and not actually curing and and uh you know selling any of it dry yeah they're actually committing the whole whole gardens to to batches of shadow and batches of full spectrum you know uh sugar waxes and different types of things that you can get out there different types of extracts that you can get that Rather than just using just stems, start. rather than just using stems and leaves and all that shit, they're exactly. They're there's, you know, there's quite a few big companies out there that pre, you know, there's a, there are a lot of companies that do hand trim, but the companies that don't, basically, what it is, it's a big drum that spins, and on the outside of the drum are blades that constantly go. It's like a cheese grater. Okay, so. A lot of the trichomes are getting ripped off the plant. A lot of the stem, a lot of the leaf content is getting mixed in with the actual flower content, and it burns black, and that's just it hurts your throat. You don't want that. So it's just, you know, there there is these two different markets out there. There's a market for people who are are just kind of getting into it and just going to start, you know, now it's legal, you know, we could smoke weed on weekends and they don't know much about it you know the stores are going to be great for them right. but for like for especially for people who are patients mm-hmm. they already have someone they already have most them. of them they already have somebody and they 
you know, for them to go and pay more right. for something from the government, pay taxes on it when they could have it express posted to their door right. with no tax. It's it's just, it's almost too hard to, like, that's why the states, some of the, you know, be able to do the new extract, they have some laws that they're, you know, California right now, they're doing a lot of extract sales and... Did you know that we? Did you know that in the so in the new cannabis act there they they actually regulated the process in which you can extract, so you're not allowed to use any any solvents or any like butane or anything like that. It has to be a natural process. So could they sell rosin? Yeah. You know. Yeah. They can yeah. sell rosin. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Because well, then you can. That, some of the best extract out there is basically what you do is you take the the fresh plant and if it. It has to it, to call it live. It has to be off the plant and ran within six hours, okay. or it's not. It's considered fresh frozen. So, a lot of these guys, so they take the plant, they basically get all they shake all the trichomes off of it, they flash freeze it, shake all the trichomes off of it. They have one of these big sheets, and then they take that, they wash it, turn it into bubble hash, and then they take that dry bubble hash and instead of squishing dugs like you would with rosin which when you make rosin you put you could put a, uh, a small piece of marijuana in between two pieces of parchment or a little bag with a certain micron filter yeah and you give it heat and pressure you could use like what they first started using was those hair straighteners yeah that's and right. then they used then they moved to t-shirt presses now yeah. they make really good rosin presses but that's right anyways that it gives you the full the full the full spectrum feeling that you want. It gives you all the cannabinoids that are in the plant. So when you do when they make shatter, they're stripping the shatter of a lot of cannabinoids, a lot of terpenes, a lot of the essential yeah. um natural good stuff that's still in the plant that the rosin can keep in. So the hash rosin is actually because they'll they'll make the the bubble and then they'll squish the bubble hash and that um, that that is you know that's basically the the purest form it gets. There's that's doing liquid liquid nitrogen rosin. That's right. And uh, that's that's pretty crazy too. But it's just I know that right now to go and do a class in um, Colorado. My buddy went and did a LN2 a liquid nitrogen rosin class in Colorado and he paid thirty thousand dollars for seven days. Holy smokes, that's a good business model for them. To stay to stay on the guy's coach and basically just shadow him for a week. Wow. And I don't even know yeah. if that I don't even know if you'd be able to well I guess you could make you could just choose to make your own. I guess you could just go and buy some product and then do it in your right. house, I and suppose. Yeah, and a lot of the connoisseur people out there are gonna start growing their own cannabis, right? Making their own extract and just for themselves. Yeah, just for themselves. That's not a huge, you know, and people need to be careful because people used to open blast all the time. What that means is they're taking butane straight out of a can, putting it through an open tube, and it's coming out an open end into a dish. Right. Right now they have a lot of the guys, they all of them, and that's and, these, uh, and and that's going to be illegal in in, in, oh, in the cannabis. It, you know, it already using, is. Yeah, it already is illegal, right? Yeah. So a lot of these guys now, the only thing that they can use is closed loops. So they have these big, 
you know, heavy duty five ten thousand dollar systems to call them with. It's an you know all stainless titanium stainless steel column with big big latches and big big like heavy duty stuff with a they got vacuum pump hooked to one end and then they got a vacuum pump hooked to the other end. So basically what they'll do is instead of just putting the butane through the plant and taking stripping the cannabinoids from the plant yeah. and letting it run down and out the bottom, they're actually hooking the vacuum up to the one end and they're sucking it through. So it's they're 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 pulling it pulling all the butane through and then what they do because it's closed loop and none of it is in the oxygen in the open air yet yeah. is they put the vacuum back on the other side and they recon they recollect all the butane so they can reuse the butane yeah well see that so, method, all those methods are are not going to be authorized no all that shit's going to have to be it's people be are going to have to buy new tanks every time people well, no you're not allowed to use butane well you can't use butane no, you can't use oh, yeah, no. or alcohol yeah no, I know it's it's illegal, but I'm just saying the guys that do still do well, it. That's what they do. Yeah, and that's probably what they're yeah. still going to do. So yeah. So uh, when it comes to the illicit trade, I know we've you know for our listeners we've kind of gone into some pretty heavy detail here, and I think you and I should do some episodes where we focus on one very small sector of the of the uh, cannabis industry, and then we can kind of dissect that over a period yeah, of time. It would be great. Um, because, but just to try to give people kind of an overview, you know, it's it's week one of cannabis. It's so it's so in depth. Like this, this oh, whole can... legalization thing is just it's the fact you know just from the economic level. Oh yeah, that's you know just that alone. People don't understand the effect it's going to have on people. Oh, it's, on a, it's exciting people. times. It's exciting times it to is. be alive. It is. Like, it really is. Like, it's the same thing as when the prohibition of alcohol exactly. ended. Like, this is, this is a huge day, and it's crazy that we get to be, you know, the ones who get to experience it. So I want to I share, uh, because you brought up uh, the prohibition of alcohol, I kind of want to share my thoughts on what I think is going to happen to the illicit market. And of course, nobody knows for certain because these are all just yeah, theories. Exactly. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of the police, um, a lot of the police jargon and, and, uh, and conversations are comparing a lot of, okay. And even when they drafted this legislation, looking at what happened in the States and what worked and what didn't and yeah. really delving in. One of the things that I don't think uh, was really taken into consideration is that a lot of the states that legalized uh, marijuana, they didn't have a medical market before because that was illegal as exactly. well. Was Canada's, exactly. Weed's been legal for medical purpose in Canada for, what, 10 years almost, 8 years? Yeah, so, yeah just, I think just over. And like, yeah, so we've kind of had this industry like build up. Um, and yeah. now, and now, all of a sudden, we're moving to regulate an industry that already exists. Exactly. There's so many people who are already yeah. educated on it. Exactly. So they're fighting back, and they don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want their businesses to end because, you know, technically they've been running a legal business the whole time, and they, right. they, you know, their business should end. But right at the same time, at this, you know, at a this... lot of these guys are good guys with families who just. This is just how they came up, and that's how well, they and, were and brought in, up. And, and in fairness, they probably helped. They probably helped push the the 
change the culture exactly. and the narrative to get this to get regulated. So part of me exactly. part part of me empathizes for the sort of craft grower, if you want to call them that. That's, but then that's who I that's who I'm speaking of. That's who I, you're. You know, there's there's guys out there who are cropping out you know hundreds of plants and they're you know selling them for a thousand bucks a pound. Like yeah. that's that's not what I'm talking about. No. Those guys are done. They're well, done. Yeah, so so their that's days, that's the real organized over. crime. That's the real organized crime. I think those guys are done. Yeah. The old, they're done. Yeah. The, the, I think that there's going to be a small craft market for those users who uh, are a little bit more educated, who like to maybe, you know, go maybe even share medicine amongst each other yeah. type of thing, like yeah. collectives and whatnot. So. I think that's more or less the route. So, so like do you, you think? Said. So, do you think like when you said the illicit trade is st- is still going to stay stay strong in your opinion? But do you th- do you think that the organized crime end of things is is going to disappear from the weed trade, or or do you well, think that's going to stay? There? You never know. I, you know, I think that a lot of guys would think that, but I think that there's so many places that are just willing to have staff in one day, have the place raided and have the place restocked and restaffed the next day. There's too many people willing to fund that kind of shop. Oh, and too see. many people willing to go to jail for the cause that I just don't, you know, that's why it had, that's why all those dispensaries popped up to Vancouver because they just kept getting filled. It just yeah. got to a point where they would have a new name and a new employee New, you know, new employees, new name, and new boss right. the next morning after right. they got raided with different product. Right, and now, they would go from they would go from weeds to weed. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it, yeah, yeah, it's not it's it's just it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. And there's a lot of a lot of people are going to just have to go go with the flow and maybe look for a job in the in the legal market and whatnot. Right. And a lot of people. Like people can apply for their micro license, and people can grow their own cannabis and help. You know, if people really want to get that good craft medicine out there, they still can. They just got to become a micro grower. Well, I think I think that's what we're going to see. I think that's what we're going to. I really do think a lot of a lot of the extract growers and whatnot, or extract makers and craft growers that I talk to, are partnering with LPs. Oh, there, that's good. That's that's exactly what's happening. So, so so the big company latches on to someone who's already kind of got a got a clientele base. Yeah. Well, that makes yeah. complete sense then. So that illicit market would yeah. start to would start to diminish to an extent. Exactly right over time, but I over just time, think yeah, right for sure, the, over time, right off yeah. the bat, that uh, that I think you might hang around. It will hang around for a bit. Yeah, for uh, sure. It's just it's it is it's sad for it's sad for some people, and it's good for. It's good for others. So yeah, I it think just for, depends on it. Just depends on whose shoes you're you're looking from. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, right? It's good for the majority. There's definitely going to be some of yeah. these uh, kind of some of these renegades that really did help um, educate the public and and really did care. Like they weren't part, they weren't connected to the organized crime ditch weed that was. Well, like look at Dana Larson. Dana Larson's a good example. Many, I met him many, a couple weeks ago. How many fucking hours and. and and how much money has that dude put into this? Yeah, right. Yeah, and Mark Emery, just like it, it, the guy, the, the guys that have actually gone to jail, Mark Mark Burfalo, there's guys who 
you know, who really they're that you know, you can tell, you know, they you know they need the plant you know, they need the, the medicine and you know, they've been prosecuted for obviously selling it and yeah. doing what they're not supposed to do. And it's say what you want, but it's the law, right? Yeah. So, yeah, well, Dan, it's funny because Dan is... A lot of people are going to get caught and a lot of people aren't. Right. It's just, it's if you want to take that, if you want to take that risk, then that's a risk that, you know, you got to, you got to, if you get caught, you're going, something's going to happen, right? So, so nothing lasts forever. So, right. Yeah, exactly. Nothing lasts forever. So what do you, so what do you think, what, what do you think about, uh, what would be your opinion? Let's say, you know, we've got a... We've got a, a street in Saskatoon. We've got a, somebody who spent the time, the energy, and the resources, and the business plan. They got themselves. They were able to you know, snag one of our one of our seven licenses here in Saskatoon. And then just down the street, though, there's uh, there's an illicit um, dispensary still up and running. Now, the general public isn't going to necessarily know the difference between the two. Do you no. think? So, you know, how is that fair that half of the business is going to be going, at least half is going to the illegal shop where, you know, the person, <laughs> you know, this. And that's, you know, and that's, that's the thing is it's not really fair. Um, it's, it, it just, it's just how it is. And people are just, I think what's going to happen is that the stores for, for them to, for the first couple of months, it's going to be hard. But I think that after that, that they're just there's not really going to be too many unless we're a bigger city. There's not going to be too many actual illicit stores around, just because you know it's too it's too too risky. Right. There's going to be a lot of a lot of um, um, online sales, a lot of online sales. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be huge. The online huge. The online market's going to oh, be huge, man. Oh, it is huge. And I guess right now a lot of the cannabis that the shops in BC are going to be starting with is all black market cannabis. Online. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all all of the all of the stuff that the stores have to start out with. Yeah, is black market cannabis. Like even so the, the legit that, stores, the, the, for, yeah. The first round, they had to to fill the. Uh, I don't think you're right, man, fill. because they'll lose their license. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Um, I think I think yeah, there's the, just there's I, a couple of guys out there that they're just they're, they got they got too many companies and they're too well known to. I don't know, just to bullshit me like that, right? Well, that's it, dude. That's like, it. think about the risk you're taking. You're you're risking yeah. actually losing your your legal license, which is going to be worth millions in the long run. You're going to risk yeah. losing that over making a few sales in the first week. Oh, like I know exactly. mo- most of the ones in the province have come out and said, like we're not going to be prepared. I think, for all- I think what he's saying though is like the government has somehow bought cannabis from larger ACMPR growers who aren't LPs that maybe aren't completely in the system and that there's people that know that, you know, this kind of maybe, maybe one of his gardens got bought. Maybe by oh by one you know, somebody the, the only by, way by I could, a store owner or the only way the that store I could, owner could could go direct to to a grower and say listen I want to buy from you and no they and, can't and then, no 
They can't do that, and I don't well, think they I know it. it's a, I know it's illegal, but they could do it. Well, yeah, but you're right? risking you're risking losing <laughs> you're risking get, losing you're your get livelihood. Shut down, but there's you're there's there's there's, there's going to be people who are going to try to push the. I don't know, man. Push the envelope. I don't as an as an as an entrepreneur as well as a cop. Uh, I don't think you'd risk your. I Not your think, business. Yeah, I, I don't think people that would have a have a have a you know that already have something going and have a good business. Well, if they've got a legit know, license, like the ones here, just, set up. How they have their, they have all their you know they're able to get their demand filled. Then great. Like, yeah. Well, the ones here are just not going to open. Right, like the like yeah. smart business practice. You don't open until you're able to provide your customers. You don't want to on, exactly. open the first day and right. run out because that's bad well, business practice. They're, 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 they already, like I said on H Street, he said if he opened uh, if he opened tomorrow, his business would be done in a week. Yeah, so that's not good business so, practice. No, no, right. So you give people medicine, some people medicine, some people recreational, whatever you want to call it something for a week and then you got to kind of cut that resource off it doesn't make people happy yeah look man the so. the uh i know you got to run here so i won't i won't keep you much longer but uh i think it's important to let listeners know like if you're going to buy from one of the local stores this is recreational weed this is not medicinal weed no. uh there is a difference the difference is the fact that i mean you could use recreational marijuana to help your whatever it is you're yeah. dealing with, but that's not the purpose of the store. The purpose of the store no. is to sell items to a consumer that they want. If you, if yeah. you're looking for medicinal uh, marijuana, that side of the industry is growing huge right now as well. And we're looking at, you know, we're starting to see, I know that there's at least one healthcare plan, like, like uh, employee health plan insurance that is going to start covering yeah. medicinal weed. Like that's kind of the angle you know, if you're going through medicine, go through a doctor. Yeah, I've, I've worked at it. I've worked at a dispensary, and when we worked at when we did, when people came in and they proved that they were on social assistance, they got a they get a twenty percent discount type thing. That's all. And that's that was nice. like all through. There's this green leaf program. It's right. like a just an online kill system to run the. It's an inventory system. Yeah. And. uh that's yeah. They were doing that's that. That's what they would do when I was at the at the dispensary. So yeah, which, but it's all it's all so much stuff is going to change, and there's so much stuff to talk about. It's just, there is, man. It is, but yeah, no, like it's it's not medical cannabis, and if you are looking to get or talk to somebody who specializes in it, yeah, then go online. Yeah check out you know just google it google it and yeah. i'm sure that there's going to be you know there's in saskatoon we've got a couple spots that you know they can help you yeah. get, the, get the license if you have the if you have the ailments so right and sometimes your doctor was willing to give you the prescription himself so right if that's the case and you can you know move more than that direction and that's what you want to do then that's great like for me i'm pro i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to get my my acmpr and to uh be on the medical side i i don't think i'm going to i don't do you, think i'll use the stores too much no I'll, just uh, keep ordering online from your yeah from who you yeah, know exactly yeah. like they're like broken coast is awesome they're probably the best lp out there probably should drop names but <laughs> They, uh, 
they grow like they actually grow really good weed. Okay. So, yeah, they uh, they're really great. Some you yeah, know some are lot. just bad, and then some are always hit and miss. I guess so. Yeah, some are good. Some are organic. Some aren't. There's yeah. Yeah. Do your research. All right, man. Exactly, well, right? I know you got to run here, dude. I really appreciate your time. Um, no, I'll, for sure, man. I want to have you on. Uh, we we kind of went in some. We kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole there on some on some pretty in depth topics. But let's, like I said, let's get together again and just have a few episodes. Let's just talk about weed and dive into just a very small part of the market. Yeah, and uh, sure. have a chat. And then I also will do an episode because I know you've had uh, one hell of a one hell of a tough run in your life, uh, here, buddy. And, and, and if yeah. you're willing to share that story with people, I think I think there's a lot of lessons that we can all learn from it too. For sure, man. Okay, dude. Thanks a lot for coming on, James. Awesome. Well, yeah, you have a good night, man. You too, buddy. All right. Take care. Thanks a lot. Yep. Bye. Ciao. All right, guys. Well, that was uh, a friend of mine, James. We've we've known each other for for a little while here, and. Uh, and like I said, we're going to do some episodes in the future together. We just kind of wanted to do just a crash course. I didn't know where the conversation was going to go. Um, I mean, it's it's legalization week, so it's an interesting time. Uh, I do want to spend a quick moment and just kind of let our listeners know, like, where what it is you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do under the um, federal legislation. So the federal legislation is a Cannabis Act Um so you're allowed to be in possession of 30 grams of dried cannabis or less, obviously. And then there's tables um, that have been given out that would be the equivalent of and the, and the packaging um, in the product that you buy should, should kind of mark it. So if you're buying, for, for example, an oil or some sort of concentrate, it'll be listed on the well-labeled package as to what the equivalent that is. So if that means, oh, this is equivalent to 30 grams worth. So that means you can only carry this one package um, with you. You can't carry two of them, that sort of thing. Um, when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to possession, um, it's, it's simply 18 years and older. That's, that's the federal act. Now just remember that that doesn't mean that in every province the age is 18. So here in Saskatchewan, for example, uh, the provincial age is going to be 19. And so there's also a provincial cannabis act, which is regulated provincially. And that's where you would get a ticket issued by the police. So it's not criminal, but just like if you were speeding or you got caught, you know, drinking, drinking a beer, um, at a park down by the river, the cops are going to come by and give you a ticket. The same thing is going to happen with cannabis. And so pay attention to those, um, those those laws as well um but just know that you do have limits of what you're allowed to carry around don't just go out and start lighting up everywhere because there's i don't think there's any communities that i've seen so far in the legislation that allows you to just blaze up outside this is this is to be consumed um similar to the way alcohol is to be consumed in canada we've decided we're not just walking around drinking our beers wherever we want. You know, it's it's enjoyed in the comfort of your own home with friends and family, and I think that's that's kind of the way that we want to we want to go with cannabis. It's something that's going to be consumed in your house. Um, now, for those of you that live in apartments, and maybe you've been using cannabis for a long time, you're in the pro weed movement. That's great. Um, you did help move this to, to regulation, you know, if you've been an advocate, but let's not be an asshole. 
Okay, so let's let's remember if you are somebody that consumes cannabis on a regular basis, you know the smoke does bother people. So if you live in a in an apartment, if you are you know your neighbor comes over and is like, hey man, I just noticed you're smoking a bunch of weed last night. It's cool. It's been legal. You're having this conversation. Maybe ask them. You know, does the smell bother you? There are other ways for you to consume. There are things that you can purchase to try to dampen the dampen the odor. Um, and at the end of the day, burning a, burning a carcinogen into your lungs is not the healthiest way to consume anything. And, you know, I've said it before when it comes to educating youth. Um, the generation of youth that we have now are is the healthiest generation that's that's existed as far as decisions that they're making. You know, they are drinking less. They are, they are consuming drugs less, even though there's more dangerous drugs out there. And we're seeing, you know, these crisis these crisis C's or whatever, however you would say it, hit. Um, and yes, it's it's unfortunate because the drugs that they are taking are, are available. Some of them are very dangerous with the fentanyls and and uh, and some of the really high concentrated car fentanyls and things like that. That's being, you know, there's a toxic drug supply and they're not getting what they want. So those that are using are using a riskier product. Um, but less people are using. So let's always keep that in mind. Our youth are making great decisions out there. One of those decisions, I'm sure, is also going to be the fact that, or hopefully, that smoking weed is not the way to consume it. It's not the healthiest way to consume it. There are far, 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 far less youth uh, smoking cigarettes now. I know there's been a little bit of a resurgence with vaping. Um because that's a healthier form of smoking. But most of the people that are vaping were the kids that were going to be smoking cigarettes anyways. And so even they are choosing a healthier form of, of consumption, which is, which is really what we want, especially when we talk harm reduction. So with cannabis, let's just remember there's multiple ways to consume your product. Uh, start low, go slow. You know, that's the easiest slogan. Make sure you tell your kids about that. Please check out our Facebook page and our website. We put some tips. Um, we put some tips on there that were released by our friends, um, f- by the Canadian students on uh, s- sensible drug policy. I think it's called. You can find the link, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. But they have a toolkit that they that these students, uh, university students, created. And trust me, I've done my research at what's available out there. I have no affiliation to this group. I mean, I met some of the some of the great people that helped draft this document and uh let me tell you it's one of the best resources that i've found not only as as someone who likes to educate but as a parent um it's very very easy to read very easy to understand it focuses the language on um you know positive ways of talking to our youth you know if you are to choose if you are to use this is how to do it safely um set your values um amongst your family that sort of thing so have a read it's their toolkit uh, it's it's really well written. Um, one thing that I did want to mention that uh, that I just learned today during my training on our Saskatchewan Provincial um, Cannabis Act legislation is consumption on schoolyards is one of the biggest fines you can get. So if you're going to be smoking weed at school, you're going to be hit with a $1,400 ticket. So I wouldn't be doing that, and that would be on top of using underage if you're smoking in a car, that's you're looking at a th- about a three hundred and sixty dollar ticket there as well. So, 
you know, you're not getting criminal records, but you can still get hit with a hefty fine um, for some of this behavior. So keep that in mind. Um, Please consume responsibly. Uh, As always, check out our Facebook page. Uh, Like us at SANOorg. And remember, it's K-N-O-W. And check out our website, SANOorg. And please remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you learned something from James and, and my conversation. And take care. And we'll see you soon.